my calculations are correct, when this baby hits 88 miles per hour, you're gonna see some serious shit. in your cast casting in your pod 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 cast 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 can you hear me i think we're good yeah yeah i think we're on episode seven episode seven episode seven episode seven episode seven 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 the 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 podcast the the fire the hole awakens <laughs> the fire no because episode seven that's what it brought to mind immediately okay yeah sure <laughs> So here we are. This is the one directed by J.J. Abrams. Oh, God. How, how about Jay Ambrus? That's close enough. J.J. Ambrus? You know, I got that as a comment one time. Uh, <laughs> I was like, what are you trying to do, like a J.J. Abrams thing? And like, I was literally speechless. I just didn't know what to say at that point. I wanted oh, yeah. to muster like a fuck you. But I was just like, Ugh. At some point, we're going to need to talk about J.J. Money. Oh, we will have to talk about it. Yeah. Is that your rapper name? It's worse. <laughs> <laughs> this is Fire in a Hole, episode 7. I am Welcome. Jason. <laughs> and I'm Richard. And with us today uh, is a guest. And I wanted to say a very special guest, but they do, even even on talk shows, they make fun of that. You know, like Conan O'Brien, who always has to go, like the talk show thing of the, we got a great show for you guys tonight. We get a great show, like no matter who he has on. Yeah, yeah, he could have the guy from uh, 90210 and it's a great show. Exactly. He could have someone on from... Uh, that was in the spotlight 25 years ago for 10 minutes that's doing a really cool skateboarding video now uh or he could have on like john ham or one of those guys or it's Elon still Musk. a great show still what a is he gonna say we yeah. got an okay show for you tonight nah, not the, we could have done we could have done better this week but like uh, i'm not gonna i'm not gonna lie to you you should go make some food uh and, you try to make a, uh, a show every single day and make it good <laughs> have like a meltdown yeah see how you like it I heard Letterman's got Jack Blacko. Maybe you should go watch that. Maybe if my writers did a better job <laughs> and stopped fucking around. Like, you know, just complete. I would pay to see that. Indeed. That would be pretty cool. But we do have a, a very cool guest. Um, not an old friend of mine, but certainly an, a fellow I've known for a few years now. And a, uh, and a gentleman I would definitely uh, qualify as a friend. Uh, a fellow filmmaker. Uh, I would say he's a, a bit of a gorilla uh, yeah, he's like a guerrilla warrior. Uh, I'm not a guerrilla filmmaker, though. No, you're not. But I'm the I, opposite of a guerrilla filmmaker. Well, I want my my trailer. You want your trailer? I don't get it, but I want my trailer. Okay, so then, <laughs> then but I gotta say, guerrilla filmmaker, because otherwise it makes you a failed filmmaker. <laughs> well, like, I'll take failed over guerrilla. I okay, think. so a yeah. fellow failed or filmmaker. not yet winning. <laughs> let's let's do I that. I haven't won yet. A soon to be winning, hopefully, filmmaker. Uh, Michael Treder, welcome. Thank you. Welcome, Thanks for sir. having me. Thanks is this uh, is this your first podcast ever? Uh, yeah, this is. I'm popping my podcast cherry. Oh, all right, which huh. is exciting. I've listened before. 
you know, through the walls of neighbors and stuff. But uh, okay. I, I've never actually participated in a in a podcast. So okay, they say a, you never forget your first. Yeah, I won't. Right. This is, uh, <laughs> and it's always awful and awkward, isn't it? Yeah, <laughs> yeah. It's off. It's awful. It's awkward. It's over too quick. Yeah. And uh, at the end, you end up proposing marriage to somebody. So. Yeah. Yeah. I'll love you forever. <laughs> yeah. Never, never. Yeah, okay. Yeah. It's okay. We'll, we'll be gentle. <laughs> This is this is going all all the wrong places it's right going, now. It's going dark. It's going dark, but it often does. But anyway, welcome. Um, thank you. I'm uh, I'm happy to be here. Thank yes. you for making it out on what is a um, a beautiful Montreal fall evening of uh, torrential rains and uh, hundred kilometer winds. Yeah, uh, October rain. This is what uh, Axl Rose never wrote songs about <laughs> October rains. He only had yeah. He was a little bit November, but October. Doesn't October. Not really. Yeah. But he wrote like November Rain, like California style, didn't he? Which is like mild. Like I don't know if he even wrote it, but yes, there's probably not much to... A Canadian November Rain would be like Blizzard. Yeah, definitely. Yeah, I mean, everybody talks about the weather everywhere they are, right? Although here it's, it's a constant conversation just because it feels like... If we imagine that there's someone up there controlling the stuff... Like the Maytag repairman. He hates man. Canada. He, or he's like a mean drunk. Yeah. And he just gets hosed and then he just like rips off his clothes and he just starts pulling levers and buttons and woo and like just starts fucking with the controls and then we'll get, you know, hail and then 10 minutes later the sun comes out. Yeah. And then yeah. hail again yeah. and then everything freezes but then it's 14 degrees in the middle of January. And he's punching holes in walls one minute and then... Uh apologizing the next yeah yeah so clearly we live in the in one of the confu- most confusing climates i think i mean we get our canadian winter let's not kid ourselves here, and our canadian summer and our canadian summer august but like a wet one yeah we get it it's yeah. humid and unpleasant and um smoggy yeah and yeah. It's anyway. character building Character building. <laughs> well, is, that, is that the silver lining we're looking for? Or, I don't know. I think that's tell ourselves something, right? Canadian winters make me want to be a better man. <laughs> what I'm trying to tell you is, <laughs> ever since I met you, um, yeah, I mean, okay, so you're at least, at the very least, a filmmaker. Yeah, yeah, I, I can call myself a filmmaker. Mm-hmm. Um, You've made films. I have made films. You've uh, made a lot of other people's films. I've made more people's films than I have made my own films, but okay. I, I am a, I'm a, I have been able to officially call my, uh, I can call myself a filmmaker, I guess yes. is what I'm getting. You, you can then fully get behind that. I can, I can. I'm no longer, oh, you know, I, uh, I, I, I own a camera. Right. Right. Well, Which what does I that mean own. anyway? Yeah, yeah. I don't own a camera. Right. So let's start with something a little bit simpler than that. Uh, first of all, you, you're clearly not from Montreal. I'm not. No, I am. Uh, Even after all these years, I can still tell. I'm. Uh, yeah, <laughs> yeah. It's a compliment, by the yeah, way. Yeah, I. I. Uh, uh, I'm from the Prairies, born in in Winnipeg, which uh-huh. is a, a fun. A legendary Fun, filmmaking uh, town. Le- it's true. It's a legendary filmmaking town. Um, born in Winnipeg and raised in in Calgary and Alberta, uh, Edmonton. Not not really raised in Calgary. I lived in Calgary for a while. And more in Edmonton and rural Alberta. Uh, but yeah, uh, and then I moved here a couple years ago. Okay, that yeah. must have been uh, pretty trippy. It was. It was one of those like uh, my my girlfriend now wife. Uh, was going to school here so we're like yeah let's move because it was you know we're young and 
Oh, you married early, right? You married. We young. married fairly early, early enough. Um, How old were you? We were married in 2009, so I was 24, 25. Wow, okay. All right. Well, we had a yeah. little conversation about marriage the other day with uh, Eric, and uh, he kind of did it, you know, later in life, and it was a very conscious choice, but did you get married just because? Was there any pressure? Uh I wouldn't say pressure. I mean, you always get that family pressure. Uh-huh. That pressure that's like, oh, you know, when are you going to make an honest woman of her? Okay, you so know, you that's what, that. no. Well, yeah, of yeah. course, you, you get that. Um, and then we married because it was like I I didn't want to just... For, for some people, maybe it's okay. But for me, I knew that it wasn't that I wanted to be, you know, oh, yeah, we're just together for 50 years without being married. Uh-huh. You know, um, I mean, I know you, for instance, with, with, with Lisa, you've been together for eons. Yes. And you're quite content with that. Uh, whereas, Let's say that. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> whereas uh, for me, I, I would rather just get married and then. It's a Quebec thing. Yeah, it is a Quebec thing. The Nobody getting... gets married in Quebec. I noticed that. Well, Nobody... that's what made Eric special. Yeah. Right? That's yeah. why we were all over him about that, because um, that's what I mean by it must have been trippy for you to come from there. Oh, and there's your life here. It's it's a it's it's you know whatever x amount of kilometers away, but it's 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 a whole different world here. Yeah. Like it's okay. So uh, can you tell us r- real quick about some of the major differences that you felt when you got here? Like what what hit you first? Uh, well, aside from the language, uh-huh. I mean, yeah. okay. people from 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 Quebec or, or Montreal, they 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 assume that everybody is bilingual. Right. Um, whereas when you're in Alberta, it's it's not even an option at school most of the time. You know, you're you you know you're either at a bilingual school or you're at an English school. This is back home. This is back home. Okay. Yeah, you know, I mean, you maybe get. Uh, I was homeschooled, so that's different. You were homeschooled. <laughs> I was homeschooled. You didn't know that. This explains so yeah, much. Yeah, I was. I was. I was homeschooled. Really? Yeah. Wow. By 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 my mom. Really? Yeah. Who's a teacher? Who was not a teacher? Who was not a teacher? Well, I mean, by the end of teaching, you know, four boys and a girl. Right, because you have siblings. I have many siblings. I come from a, a fair-sized family. Wow. Yeah. So this is like a, a Calgary Prairie special. Like it's it sounds very um, yeah know, we, idyllic. Yeah, we lived in a you know on an acreage with pigs and goats and are you and kidding ducks. me? Yeah, yeah, and uh, and so we're that little house on the prairie that was. You know, an hour, hour and a half out of the city, That's being amazing. homeschooled, le- learning chores. Hand-me-downs. You know? Hand-me-downs. Oh, yeah. Anyone play the fiddle in the family? No, or? no, no. I bought a guitar once, but okay. that was after. And you are number what? In the- I'm the middle child now. Uh, my sister is significantly younger than me. Okay. She was at... Uh, she was that mistake, or she's, <laughs> she, she was. She you was. Heard it here you first. heard it here first. <laughs> um, you yeah, know, my, my parents are never going to hear this, and she's not going to hear this either. That's so what you fine. think. Yeah. We're going yeah. national. Baby. We're getting Number big. one fan of this podcast <laughs> is my mom and dad. <laughs> um, you laugh. You laugh now, sir. Yeah. Hi, Mr. and Mrs. Trader. <laughs> Hello. <laughs> uh, yeah, so she's... Uh, between, so how many total? Sorry, how many total? Uh, I have two older brothers, a younger brother and a younger sister. Okay, and so uh, how, how old is your oldest brother? My oldest brother is uh, 35. Okay, wow, that's old. Wow. Yes. He's well, like older. Like old. Over the hill. 
Yeah, it's kind of done. Yeah. 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 You, yeah have you, they put him out? The, have they walked him over he, the hill? He he bought his he bought his uh, his his coffin the other day. Yeah. Yeah. No. They no. Took him behind <laughs> the barn. <laughs> so any other artists in the family or are, no? Are you the uh, I black come sheep? from. I come from. Yeah, I'm the black sheep. I come from okay. a line of of carpenters and mechanics and tradesmen. And I'm wow. the one that was like, I don't like getting my hands dirty. Oh. Is there a job that I can get where I don't have to use my hands? How interesting. Yeah. I'd, so lo- I'd I, love to see that I, in this family. I chose work. to be a, a, a writer, filmmaker that is poor for his whole life. But uh-huh. I'm happy. So. Okay. <laughs> There's some, we have some tissue here. Yeah. If you need yeah, it um, at yeah. any point. Okay, cool. <laughs> so, okay. So you came to Montreal in how, how many years ago? 2009. 2009. Yeah. Jeez. Yeah. Okay. Well, that's, that's, you know, because we forget how insular Quebec is sometimes, right? We know, we, we know it's always reiterated how, because of the French population and the French culture and everything, that like Quebec is always, a diff, you know, the odd man out or the weird one in the family, you know, to keep it in, in sort of line. Quebec with is, is the drunk uncle. It's the drunk uncle? It's the drunk uncle. That takes out his yeah, penis at yeah, the Christmas yeah. party? That's like, you know, <laughs> I know we have to be nice to you because you're family, but... The ants keep it's, pushing it's him. It's inappropriate. The, yeah. the ants keep making yeah. him like stop that. What did it? And they yeah. argue in the kitchen. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Yeah, but I mean, you forget that there's a whole other country out there, and then that, that has little or nothing to do. Or it's a different. I mean, that is that is very country. different from very different. From, very different from. Uh, okay. So you decided to become a filmmaker out there, or do you just want uh, to? Yeah, yes and no. Uh, as a kid, I wanted to be a filmmaker. But as a kid, you also want to be a zookeeper and a veterinarian. And, and, the, and, president and the president of the parachuting of, yeah, team. Yeah, yeah. Um, you know, these makeup, like these made-up jobs? Uh, I, wanted, I knew I wanted to be a writer. And I think that was my avenue. So when I moved here uh, and I was unemployed for, for many, many months, uh, I would just write. And then I, I uh, got published in a couple of different... Uh, magazines and stuff and and that was my first kind of like oh i could maybe be a writer you know uh um you're writing short stories at this point or writing short stories back out west i'd I'd gone to i had uh, taken courses in journalism and things like that Mm -hmm. and i was always a writer um written some plays and stuff uh and then i was i hit a point in my kind of short story kind of writing where i was like i want to maybe try to make a movie. I knew nothing about making movies, mm-hmm. um, but it was something that I wanted to do. And so then I uh, I just bought a bunch of books and I taught myself how to make movies. And then I wrote a script and I was like, I'm going to shoot this. And then I cast actors and then I was like, was going to just get a camera and rent a hotel room and we were going to shoot. A, it wasn't like that kind of a film in a hotel room, <laughs> but... Um, no, no, but I get what you're saying. Yeah, you, you literally just did the DIY. Yeah, thing. and then and then I decided I had a I like had a breakdown a month before shooting that, and I was like, I actually know nothing about filmmaking, mm. and so then I bought more books and I learned even more, and then um, I surrounded myself with really good people that I met on Craigslist, which is something I don't think I do now. Meet people on Craigslist. I don't think it's possible anymore. To meet people on Craigslist, I think maybe was... now you meet people on Tinder. I think you can you can maybe. <laughs> That would be interesting. Hey, hey, we should get we should get make a movie off of like Tinder. Well, there is an app called Stage Thirty Two or something. Yeah, yeah, that I keep getting invites to. Yeah, I not. Gonna... I've checked it out, and they've tried to do a kind of social media app for filmmakers. 
So you swipe left or swipe left? No, right? no, it's um, not that clever. Um, no? But it, I'm it's, thinking it's, it's, we should do isn't that. Isn't Stage 32 like LinkedIn? Pretty much. Yeah, yeah. which but no that's one what we should do. We should but you're do. looking for like what? Like best boys and key grips? Well, that's and... that's Grinder. You look for best boys on Grinder. <laughs> key grips. <laughs> also on Grinder. Also on Grinder. All of these things, <laughs> I don't know what they do at all. Yeah. You guys yeah. do, but yeah. I, I don't. The, the boom operator, also on Grinder. Right. Well, <laughs> your essential filmmaking, independent filmmaking, and then, of course, uh, Michael will has nothing but war stories that's why i made the gorilla um comparison earlier yeah in that sense i'm a i'm a girl i've been yeah. shot at on, on films i go. haven't been but i but you have i have the stories that i've heard michael tell me over beer um it's like knife fights on set and stuff just like and then the generator blew and then we were in the middle of the arctic well maybe i'm exaggerating here but it, it, it was it was it was it was rotten quebec it was, oh, okay. it, was <laughs> it was it might as well have been the the Arctic. I was in yeah. the Arctic, surrounded by people I found on Craigslist. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Explosions <laughs> to the left. Explosions you, to the right. If you had been podcasting that shit at the time, you would have a a crazy popular it, show. Uh, I've never been on. Your... I've never been on a film set where I didn't have uh, like a good story to tell. That's what I'm saying. Like you have, you have just yeah, like if there yeah, there isn't at least one book in there, I don't know what yeah, you're doing yeah, with that information. Yeah, yeah. but. Just the stories this guy tells me, um, and for me, it's you know never-ending fun. But also, <laughs> I'm like, geez, dude, what what are you getting into? But he's never ever been um, grumpy or or. Oh, know. I've been grumpy. Yes, but not to me. Like, oh yeah, after the fact, onset, I'm grumpy. Like people listening after to this. After the fact, I, I I can remain jaded, but I'm relaxed. Yeah, but people can't see this because you know this being a podcast. But like even now, as you're talking about these things, you you these have aren't this... cameras. No, oh. sorry. <laughs> We're not there yet. Um, you have this perpetual smile on your face, <laughs> even when you're like. And then the guy, you know, the actor came up to me and he and he he stabbed me. Yeah, and he, like pulled he, cut, he, me. Cut, he pulled a knife. He pulled a knife. And then I'm picturing myself telling that story, and I'm I'm shaking the table and banging <laughs> on it, and there's like drool in my face, and I'm like, you know, I'm red, beat red. He's got this like smile on his face as he's telling me the most horrific, pain in the ass filmmaking adventure that he's ever had, but. You can. I can tell you love it, man. You love it. Yeah, I do. It's it's uh, a boring day on set is is a is a boring day on set. Yeah. You know when things run smooth, it's what you want for the film, but it's not what you want, kind of in your life. Maybe I sure. I, I love the chaos. I'm like that that fox from what is it, Antichrist? You know, chaos reigns. Right. That's me. I I love that. You thrive a bit in that. I I, I love that. Uh, if 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 something's not on fire i'm kind of like well that was yeah we made the day okay that's well fine. michael and i met in a very weird way like we uh we didn't really know each other we didn't have friends in common as such yeah it was essentially craigslist it wasn't craigslist but it was it was facebook it was like facebook it was facebook you kept popping i kept seeing you pop up yeah yeah on, on film related yeah. stuff but i didn't we sort of had a bit of an interaction but didn't i don't remember why and then we met, we figured out that we live like three, four blocks from each other. Yeah. Accidentally. Yeah. So he, I was at the bank, I'm coming in, I'm like, I know that yeah. shaggy guy. Yeah, because that's, that's the weird thing about Facebook is that you meet people and you, you, can, you can be a, like a Facebook friend of somebody for years and never meet them. Right. Uh, and then, but you know more about their life than you do your, like, your, your own friends. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> um, yeah, that is weird. Uh, and I think that's what it was. It was. It was. We knew each other through Facebook, and so it wasn't weird we when we finally met. But it wasn't like 
we didn't like, oh, and now we shall become friends. It was kind of like, hey, hey, yeah, dude. And you're yeah. like, hey, dude. And we said hi to each other, and that was it. And then when I got involved with the uh, Punisher No Mercy project, we were still, well, they had no idea what an assistant director was. They had no idea. And I'm like, first, I came onto that project as an art director. Then I convinced the top guy that um, he should let me direct the film. And then he, he heard me out and he said, yeah, okay, that makes sense. And I said, okay, step two, I need an assistant director. And he's like, okay, uh, well, what for? I'm like, well, because of this. And he's like, oh, yeah, okay, yeah, those guys. Oh, yes, okay, yeah, all right, all right, I know what you mean. Like the assistant directors, okay. And then he randomly pulled Michael Treader's name out of the hat. And he's like, yeah, I'm talking to this guy, Michael Treader. And I'm like, oh. And I kind of just said, okay, no, you know what? I, I got a good feeling about that guy. Yeah, let's do that. Let's bring him in. And then we've accidentally ended up working together on this <clears throat> project. And it's, you know, I don't want to say it was fate or whatever. <clears throat> no, it was, it was, it was. Maybe it's just the, the minuscule size of the scene that it, we would have ended up. Yeah, on I think it's more of an attest, a testament to the size of the kind of low budget Anglo film community that Montreal right. has. Uh, but I, I mean. The fact that we live two blocks away, that we're interested in reasonably the same amount of stuff, that we get along well. Yeah. I, th- I think, you know, yeah, sure. Uh, From a, I don't like wanna... a Tinder, in a Tinder fashion? <laughs> yeah. I don't think a lot of people don't really know what a director or an assistant director really do. Yeah. Right? That's something that just happens behind the scenes. I don't even think we know what... Yeah. <laughs> Listen, <laughs> nobody knows what anybody does. This is a realization I've, I've come to. And we talked about this last time uh, when we talked about this gener- these generations that we live in where we're living in a, a movie fantasy life where we try to bring about a narrative, a film narrative mm-hmm, to our mm-hmm, minds mm-hmm. because we want it to play, play out that way because it's nice and concise or it's packaged and makes sense like in films. That is one of the things that I've encountered the most. Uh, the irony with filmmaking is that even filmmakers have, there's a romance about doing the f- doing the actual job about actually do making the films. Mm-hmm. So this this is responsible for every single jackass that has ever walked into a set and started yelling at everybody cuz every filmmaker every person on a film set thinks that the film can't be made without them. Mm-hmm. Right. But they also many times those that haven't worked or don't haven't sort of uh, learned the the trade have a movie definition of what a director is and a movie definition mm, mm, mm-hmm. and every student yeah. that walks into a filmmaking class they all i guess want to be directors first, yeah first, you, first, you, first you year, always know oh. who the director is because they look like the director right you know they wear the scarf or the oh, hat the scarf, you know what yeah. i mean you know right what? indoor scarf yeah i yeah. have seen it yeah. firsthand yeah. first year of film school if, this if was the exactly cinematographer it. doesn't ride in on a fixie bike then he's not a real yeah. cinematographer <laughs> no there was a whole bunch of those kids and and to be fair i mean they're young so i don't i don't begrudge them necessarily but you could tell the guy with the scarf and the weird, uh, the weird yeah, hat, the yeah, old tiny yeah, hat, yeah. a beret, a beret maybe. <laughs> yeah. It's not that silly. <laughs> oh, you're not far off, Richard. You're not far off. Yeah, I'm just imagining I rem- it. <laughs> I would wear a beret. On I remember a guy. <laughs> I remember a guy. He was. I think he was maybe half Asian. He looked like. A, he looked like a halfer. When you're a halfer, you recognize halfers really quickly. Uh, so he wasn't. He wasn't. He wasn't the purebred. Uh, he was a hacker. <laughs> and uh, what, the only reason I mention this is because, you know, if he had come here from Japan or Taiwan or whatever, I mean, okay, I'd give him a little bit of eccentricity pass. 
But clearly this guy was from the South Shore or mm, West Island. Boucherville. Or Boucherville or Gatineau or wherever the hell he was from. And he was clearly a huge Akira Kurosawa fan, right? Cause he yeah, had the, naturally. He had the 50s J- J- Japan, uh, like the, the Ray-Bans and the scarf. And he kept doing this with his fingers, like like you know, like like he's trying to feel the texture of things. He's like in the air, in the air. <laughs> yeah, he's, he's thinking with his hands. He's 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 tasting the t- the the texture of the air, or whatever. Yeah. But yeah. he was like twenty years old, so I'm like, uh, I'm not gonna shit on him. But that exact thing happened. The teacher, yeah. one of the teachers, literally yeah. went, "Okay, who wants to be director?" And then like three quarters of the hands went. Everybody up. wants to be a director. And then once we started to get the info, the the hands started to lower more and more right yeah and uh, that's true but i found out afterwards or i realized afterwards that's the truth about everyone thinks we know we know we think we know what a plumber does right we think we know what cops do doctors do but i think most of us are still working with movie and tv cliches uh yeah i think we do because we're in that kind of world, but I don't know if everybody does. I think so. Yeah? I think even more so. Yeah. Yeah, I think we are in a position to to notice that people are actually thinking about the cliche, like we're we're because we get a little bit of behind the mm. scenes. But um, like like I said, the director. Every time I've seen one of those directors walk on set and start yelling and throwing their weight around, or an actresses like acting up, and again, and you know. Michael has probably a million. I know he has a bunch of great stories about this, but every time I've seen somebody act the fool on a set, I could tell that they are going with what they think they're supposed to be doing, right? Mm. Oh, I should be yelling because I'm the director. You're like, "Uh, nope. Nope, that's not a requirement anywhere. Well, it goes back to like what people wanted to be when they when they grew up, you know, be the yeah. fireman or the whatever. Exactly. I remember being like uh, in a concert band and every, like at, like the first day where everybody chose their instruments was really interesting because you know like everybody wanted to play the drums because they thought they were going to be like playing some like sick parts and whatnot. But uh-huh. really, what ended up doing was like every like four minutes they'd hit the gong once you know <laughs> yeah sort of thing like gotta keep up with the whole band that's all discordant and <laughs> well you know they're they're picturing their favorite band right you know like they, rock oh, i'm gonna band, be i'm gonna be like, uh, you're playing Neil like classical music <laughs> right right so yeah it's, it's yeah. not it's not quite the same you're, you're thing company... so perception versus reality is uh yeah it's this is quite quite different yeah yeah uh, you, which instrument did you end up i think you picked the saxophone i ended up playing the saxophone yeah okay so that sounds like you just you got you you didn't want the saxophone. You ended up with it. Uh, yeah, I just kind of got got placed with the saxophone. Okay. I it, basically I, I was strong enough to be able to carry it home to practice. Like, so so they, that was they, it. They gauged you based on size. <laughs> size. You know? It's like, so, oh, can you can you carry a, which is a, ten, why the, a tenor saxophone? Which is why the fat kid always gets a tuba, right? <laughs> the fat kid gets a tuba. My brother yeah. played yeah. the tuba. Sure, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> there you go. He got stuck with an instrument. Yeah. This is Mark. Yeah. Danny. Danny got the tuba. Yeah. He's not a he's not a large fellow. No, but uh, he's uh, strong for his size. Well, he's got lungs. We know that for a yeah. fact. But the but tuba the tuba parts like just like boom, boom, boom. <laughs> the NW song. Boom, yeah. Boom, 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 boom. It's well, always it's always the same thing. That still takes. Uh, well, he's he's made the most of it, hasn't he? Of his musical training, your brother. Yeah, he's a musical genius, which is why it's like it's interesting that he was he was stuck with the tuba. But that's like that's high school for you, right? You know. Yeah. No, but uh, I think not only now, just about jobs, everything. There's misconceptions constantly about everything, everywhere. I'm I'm more and more developing this um, theory that, again, I'm sure more learned and intelligent people have 
articulated in a far superior way, but I'm reminded of this uh, bit in Batman, one of the Batman comics, where uh, uh, Ra's al Ghul or Ra's al Ghul, whichever way you want to pronounce it, dorks, um, <laughs> he, he, in one of his first appearances, uh, Ra's al Ghul's evil plan is actually... What is a what is an Al Ghul anyways? I think that's just his last name. Because like Ra's, it's Ra like apostrophe S, so yeah. it's possessive. So it's Ra's Al Ghul. I just think they wanted to. Or make is it him just sound, a, it just it's supposed to sound? They just wanted foreign. to make him weird Arabic, weird oh, okay. Asiatic, okay. Oriental. It always it always confused. Me. Yeah, I don't think that has anything to do with anything. But I could be wrong. Geeks mm. might <laughs> correct us. Um, <laughs> write it now. <laughs> write it now and tell us. Yeah, seriously, if anyone knows, like uh, school us. But anyway, so one of Raza Ghul's uh, earliest schemes was to um, do like a Tower of Babel thing where. He basically disrupted communication uh, globally by doing something. I think he built a tower and it scrambled all languages and all forms. of Nobody could understand anyone. Like no matter how hard you tried, you could not be understood by the other person. And then planes started to crash and the world was in chaos and nobody could communicate anything to anybody, which is super cool. Right. But I think that we are already under that in that condition socially i think that we understand each other sufficiently to be able to make things function but i think there is a tremendous amount of confusion in this world that we don't acknowledge we think we're talking about the same thing when we use words but i think consistently i see proof that we don't think of when you say director you're like yeah director but mm, uh, you like have kind of like social memes yeah, everyone has their definition of what that means. Yeah. And then arguments eventually explode over the fact when the actual differences between those definitions. Um, yeah, it's one of the first steps you get into. If you get into debate or you, you do any kind of philosophy of any sort, then it's all it's all about defining your terms. When operational you, definitions, yeah. You know, when you say this, you know, for the purpose of this discussion, this word means this and yeah. Yeah. heretofore shall be referred to as <laughs> that kind of thing. Yeah, you have to do that because by, by, by nature, human beings are just, you know, they will make things their own. They will, their moods will kick in or whatever. And so to, in filmmaking, um, I mean, I haven't come close to figuring out what it is as a craft, but it is certainly a very interesting sociological experiment to uh, spend time doing it and to, um, to, to occupy different positions, which, you, which you've done, Which right? I have done, yeah. So you've done everything from write to direct. Yeah, I've done everything on a film set. Uh, except for maybe like I've never, I don't think I've ever done makeup. Okay. Uh, but beyond that, I've done almost everything. And that was my way of, because I never went to film school, I didn't have that luxury of being like, oh, this is how it is done. I mean, my, my film school was being on film sets and YouTube videos. Right. Right. Learning as I needed to learn. We were talking about that yesterday, weren't we? About the how how strong DIY culture has become because yeah. of the internet. Yeah. It's mm. it's it's invaluable. And that's they have my, the jobs now. Yeah. And that's the my people. that's my recommendation. Yeah. Whenever people say, "Oh, my first time on a film set doing this, what do I do?" And I was like, "Go on YouTube. Yeah, man. Look it up. Figure it out. If you can't." One of the best advice my dad ever gave me regarding a job was if you if you don't know how to do it, if you don't know how to do something on a, at a job, say you do. 
Say learn. you do. Say you do and learn. Uh-huh. Like get into a rear head. Out. Yeah, just figure it out. It's like, oh, do you know how to drive the forklift? Sure. Yes. You and then do. back into something until you learn. Fake it till you make it. Fake it till you make it. And that's exactly what I did. Is yeah, your dad advice. Is your dad 50 cent? I'm just asking. My dad is 50 cent. <laughs> get richer. Yeah, 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 did he tell yeah, you that too? Yeah, yeah. No, but that's that's sound advice. I mean, except that can work for a, a, a specific kind of person, right? I think if you were maybe not as... Because you're a smart guy. Right. I think... I mean, I've been on sets where people clearly don't know what they're doing. They keep trying to fake it. But yeah, yeah. It's like it's like you're... you're ooh, they can't you, bring it. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Um... But I wonder if that has to do with maybe they're just not made for it. You some know, people some people aren't just like you. There's you shouldn't be a cook. We are not created you know? equal. American Idol tells us that you know there's a lot of people there who shouldn't be singing. Yeah. Um, some people just shouldn't be on film sets or around other people or around other people. Is that, Richard? I seem to recall that you flirted with film and communication. As well, right? I seem, I seem to remember. I, I did a, a bit in school, but like nothing, nothing fancy. Well, what was the context? Like, it was just part of one of your classes, or? Well, I had some electives to take, so like I, I was interested in that kind of stuff. Okay. So, yeah. So and I, I, I tried it out. I did some stuff. It was this is like, back in like the, old editing rooms with like film and stuff. Uh huh. But yeah, and like I did you... a bit of that. I did like, uh, you know, a bit of photography in in high school and recently as well but mm-hmm. you know i dabble in these things but i'm certainly not on the same level as you guys right well that's just because you took a different path but what were you i mean i remember a few years ago um richard and i in our group of friends we got into this really fun headspace i don't know how this happened but we decided to start making these videos for each other for our birthdays right so what would happen is your let's say your birthday's coming up and then we would all like secretly get together behind your back and then get a whole bunch of people that you cared about like in a this is your life kind of way to like send an intervention in, just yeah <laughs> <laughs> to send in celebrity intervention uh to send in little video clips uh, of uh, them uh, saying something to you right and then we would we it, shot most of it actually we shot most of it yeah we like made it like appointments with people to come over and <laughs> yeah. little handy cam and you know yeah they're, they're, i love you some, some people would be like yeah i love you man you're like you're my best friend i just want to let I you love know. your butt face yeah, yeah. And, and then the others would some and then it's really interesting isn't it interesting how some people's uh, secret theatrical side came out yeah <laughs> right someone who you just expected to go like uh hey uh michael i just want to like he comes he shows oh, up they have the flourish of the dramatic <laughs> yeah <laughs> They, they break up into song. Yeah. <laughs> they break up into song. They got they brought co- props and costumes. They're like, oh, it's like, who do you care top now? There's no Michael like I know. It ended up being super fun. But what it, I remember is when we were editing, and at this point, I barely knew what the hell I was doing too. I was really just uh, more enthusiasm than know how. Um, I remember you having an actual pretty cool flair. Like you seem to be pretty instinctively. Like, I remember we cut the video and it was actually pretty good. I thought I thought we did okay. Like, you seem to legitimately have fun. Yeah, uh, yeah. So, uh, I don't think... Which is something you it. don't have a lot of, Richard. Yeah. Fun. <laughs> <laughs> I gotta work on that. Yeah. Richard, why don't you have fun? <laughs> no, I, I enjoy dabbling in, like, uh, artistic pursuits. But just not... I'm just not as specialized, I suppose. Right. But you also did some other stuff, right? Because I remember when I first met you and I went to your house for the first time, uh, I remember a bunch of sculptures. Yeah, yeah, I did some sculpture, I did some like, some drawing stuff. Uh, 
I've okay. dabbled uh, in, a, in a lot of different things. Saxophones and Saxophones. gargoyles. Yeah. Gargoyles. Yeah. And you used to do that thing with the with the crystal ball, right? With the what's that called? Oh, the contact juggling. Contact juggling. Oh, like David Bowie. Yeah. 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 You're were, you were like uh, it was wait, all about that labyrinth. Is that what inspired? <laughs> uh, no, no, it wasn't that. It's like you had a big crush on Jennifer Connelly. It's like the only way yeah. I can win her is contact. Juggling. Maybe it was in the back of my mind. I don't know. But that was cool. Like you were fully, you were kind of really into that stuff. Uh, not really into it, but yeah. like I, I dabbled a little bit. You know. It was your, it was your French Canadian side. Maybe it was that, or because I that. have a theory about French Canadians. You guys have a little bit of carny in you. Yeah. I don't know where it comes from. Like Cirque du Soleil kind of. Yeah, but even even before that, right? Like <laughs> there's a whole bunch of, uh, there's a lot of uh, Renaissance. Like fairs and it's like the Cour de Bois with a with an accordion in the woods. There's a trying to entertain thing. people because it's so <laughs> fucking cold outside. Yeah, my, something. My <laughs> brother, my brother Mark got got into it, and he was kind of showing me. Once again, we go back to YouTube videos, right? Yeah. Of all these guys doing this cool stuff, and so I I, I, I gave it a shot. You I still I still have them. Yeah, yeah. You you do still do it sometimes? Uh, a little bit, not, yeah. not too much, but it's no, it's, it's it's. it's it's fun. I'm telling you, as an outside observer of 30 years, your people have a circus thing <laughs> going on. Because till this day, the one thing that I'm sure uh, Michael can attest to, I don't think you find this in Calgary or anywhere west, maybe in Vancouver. But here it's not abnormal on a regular summer day to see a guy zip by on a unicycle yeah. with a, a jester cup, hat. With a jester hat with a couple of cases of beer on his shoulders. Yeah. Or to go to one of those festivals downtown. Yeah, yeah. There's a guy with like That's a crow true. mask. Devil sticks. Devil sticks or on stilts playing yeah. the violin. Yeah, I mean, in Edmonton, you'll get that, but you'll be like, man, that guy's drunk. Okay, so he's a weirdo. <laughs> yeah, and and, and, uh, and here it's like, oh, it's, uh, it's a Tuesday afternoon. Yeah, even in the, even in the fashion. Yeah. Even in the, in the yeah. fashion, like, yeah. uh, if you, like you look at real Quebecois fashion, there's this little bit of carny, the, the piecemeal, asymmetrical... Uh, there's a there's a I always hear like beep, 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 somewhere in the background there it's yeah. there's something to it I mean I think it's I think it's like cultural but I don't know if it's dependent on being you know French Canadian or anything because I like the West is is conservative uh-huh. right and so here you've got this more this artistic liberal the I mean Montreal yeah. right we're what is the attitude cool. what is oh, the it's, Europe it's, of North yeah America I mean like like what do people really say like Edmonton or whatever I mean Edmonton is 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 north uh, and that's where I spent most of my time uh, and it was it was it's it's oil rigs and trucks right you know yeah, it's, it's like it's hicks i yeah. mean i don't want to offend anyone out west no but, but we love our hicks i, I have before stampede um, uh, yeah it's 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 rural so it's it's you're you know you're a farmer you're and then the further you go west you get calgary and that's more cowboys and it's very cow pokey yeah, yeah like it's it's we have our conservative share of hicks too it's, yeah oh it is and oh, yeah. everywhere has their everywhere hicks. everywhere has Every, their version of a hick everybody's and, got rednecks and and, yeah. and uh, yeah, we established this sometime yeah. ago. <laughs> i actually my my egyptian side they're they're rednecks they're are they right? yeah. yeah they're, they're mango they, they drive the truck out no back. it's a different bag but it's the same concept they're it's rednecks are essentially the first people away from the cities hmm yeah. Right, the guys that never felt wanted, so they decided to go start a farm or, or something. Just, they're still doing it agrarian style. Yeah, salt <laughs> of the earth. Yeah, yeah. And they're a little bit, they're uneducated in a sense, but in another way, they're really 
still, they're still tied to the, the land, and so they're wiser in a sense. They have a little bit of a, uh, you know, a genuine, like they don't care about what mm. you're wearing and what the fuck you're talking about. Like they just want to know how you're doing and how's your mom. My jeans are practical, yeah. okay? That's yeah. all I care about. Yeah. Mm. Do they cover my butt? That's all I, I And they have a mess of kids. Yeah, yeah. Right? yeah. Oh, yeah. Because right? you need, need somebody, you need They somebody. need hands. Yeah, yeah. They need field hands. And they actually know what a community feels like. Right. You know, for better actually or for give worse. a shit about each other. Yeah. They do give a shit about each other, but they also talk be- about each other constantly and they marry each other's sisters and, and there's a whole bunch of that stuff going on. But I'm just curious as to, like, coming from Edmonton before you, or coming from that part of the country, when, before you came here, what was the perception? What is the attitude? The per- uh... I remember my first uh, kind of like, oh, Quebec is weird because it was it was. Who was giving you this information? You, uh, <laughs> my my older brother was part of the the Lego Club. You the remember Lego the Lego Club? Club? Yeah, you could like sign up and you pay your money and you get like this catalog and they send you like a uh, a book. It was oh. like a whole magazine about these are the new products. This is what we're building at Lego Home Office. Oh, and it was like the Canadian Lego Club. And okay, my brother yeah. would get this magazine once a month. That's awesome. And you'd get these kids who would send in their creation. So they'd take a picture and they'd send in their creation. And, you know, so you'd get two pages of these kids sending in their creations. And it would be like, a, 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 this is John with a dragon. And it wouldn't be a dragon. It would look like a dragon. But it'd be like, oh, he's sick, so it's cute. Um, <laughs> uh, but it was always like, because it was a Canadian Lego club, it was always like, between these 12 kids who were sending in pictures, it was like nine of them were from Quebec. Okay. Right. So because it was, was it was, and it was Quebec. always like, oh, I, I, I remember even then it was like, oh, Quebec's this big place way over there. And it's like, but yet it wasn't because you always knew that it was like a, a, a portion of this bigger picture. And sure. I never thought I'd live here. And here I but am. But did you have a here. sense of Montreal being a weird town? No, or? no. Uh, I knew nothing about Montreal until like a year before we knew we were moving. We came for the summer, my wife and I, we, we, uh, went on this like extended kind of vacation we went for a month and we stayed here we fell in love with the city because it's a great city but it was cultural it was a cultural shock because it was very different we came in the summer which was like the ideal time to go to montreal montreal's oh, yeah. a summer town you don't just say it man immigrants well <laughs> it just was it. It's no okay. i mean you're for... in a safe place <laughs> <laughs> for for me Come on, it, man. Was... it had to freak you out it was you it went was. from like oh there's jimmy bob the one adopted black kid well, I, I mean, I don't, I don't want to say that there's not every uh, shade and color. There aren't, you know, immigrants out west because there are. But it was, it was, it was finding. Uh, it was, it was finding a a. All of a sudden, you're surrounded by artists. Uh-huh. You know, you're surrounded by the guy on the on the unicycle. You're surrounded by some stilt walker. You know, it was like a party and... all the time. Yeah, mm. and it was, it was, and that's Montreal in the summer. It's a party all the time. Um, and that was really appealing because it was it was it, Edmonton is 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 nice in the summer. It's warm. It's not too hot. Uh, it can get hot, uh, but there's like a wind that blows through and it cools everything down. But and they have like festivals and they have you know food fairs and things like that. But it's it's never it's all kind of homey. It, yeah, and it doesn't have the same 
flavor flavor that Montreal has, like, um, the, like the prostitutes. Y- the... Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> Drug dealers. Yeah, I mean, I saw my first prostitute in Montreal. I'm a grown man. I was like, holy shit! You see, wow. Richard, you thought I was being cynical. <laughs> <laughs> We're known for our prostitutes. You know, you're walking. Yeah, prostitutes and, and strip clubs. Yeah, I mean, it's, we are uh, known for that. We're uh, famous. And again, going back to this idea of people having uh, fantasies about uh, about and then reality. Uh, a fair amount of Montreal tourism are Americans not only coming here because you know they can drink because uh, the drinking age is 18 and then but also because of the strippers they come here and they're I see I've seen a lot of them a little bit disappointed sometimes because they expected it to be wall-to-wall like sex town right mm-hmm. but it is if you go to the right street but sure you get but, asked for directions quite a bit by by tourists or like we heard of super sex. Yeah. Where's the super <laughs> sex? Where is the we super heard that sex? It's, we heard that it's super. Yeah. And where is it? <laughs> I know for a fact that, that someone's from out of town where, where they say, hey, buddy. Yeah. Like, hey, buddy. That's like, yeah. you, that's, you're not a Montreal. If you where say. do y'all keep the strippers? Yeah. <laughs> hey, pal. Hey, buddy. Hey. Hey, hey, man, hey dude. Hey, dude. But, where uh, the strippers at? Where the strippers at? But they think, yeah, I mean, I guess if you're from certain states where they are, in fact, really conservative, or even certain parts of Canada where it's a little bit quiet, a sleepy town, hmm. uh, you come to Montreal and it's, it's got that uh, Sodom and Gomorrah. Yeah, it's it's very, it's, uh, yeah, I think I think Montreal might be more of the, the Gomorrah than the Sodom, okay. maybe. I don't know what would Do be Do they the, think of us as like the... The red light district, kind of thing. yeah. I mean, I, I don't know. It's it's like that cool city, uh, you know. I mean, but it's not too big. It's right? not too big. Yeah, yeah. I, mean, I think that's what we have as a as a as a staple too. Is that like if you want to go to the one that's almost that isn't Toronto, like yeah, yeah. Like you, Toronto's like the business end, uh, yeah. and whereas as they well, keep saying it's New York, uh, but ten years behind, yeah. like it's yeah. right with a bit of yeah. less of the charm, but it's definitely like a super city. Yeah, but if you want the city feel, but that you can leave it in twenty minutes, you can be outside of. Uh, yeah, yeah. I mean, I, Montreal. I, I like Montreal. It's a great city. It's okay. just. Uh, so did the French freak you out? The French freaked me out. I didn't anticipate. I, I mean, I've always anticipated there would be a a. Uh, Learning curve. Uh, or... Yeah, like a like an uphill battle. Um, did you expect to be like shunned? Mm, I'd heard rumors of it. Uh, my wife, the first couple of years, would get yelled at on the street when she would be speaking English. I never got that, but really? I think that because it's a gender thing, maybe. No one's going to start telling me, you know, I'm I'm not a small guy, uh, yeah. but no one's going to yell at me and go, oh, man, speak speak French, you know. That's I'll, never happened I'll, to you. No. It's happened to me a few times. Yeah? No, my wife... But it's always funny because I, I start cursing and then you, them out. You curse them out in, in French. In like, but not only in French, but... Like, uh, perfect... I speak like Quebecois yeah, dialect, yeah. like their own dialect. Yeah, I made it my business, and my mom made it our business to like within three months I was up and running in French yeah, when we yeah. landed in this country. So I will muster, I will get some regional, regional like mustard on my shit. Mm. But I'll wait, I'll let, I'll let whoever this misguided yeah, individual yeah, yeah. get their rage on, and I'll just nod, yeah, yeah, and then I'll just I'll lace him in Quebecois that's so thick that they and it, the terror in their face is always. Uh, fun to behold yeah or i'll say something like i speak three languages buddy you barely speak one yeah you know but honestly to be fair to quebec and french canadians there there have been very few occurrences of that yeah i many more occurrences of people being fucking sweet and understanding beyond 
welcoming beyond beyond uh, anywhere that I've been in the world. For every for every like police officer or or paramedic that you get that refuses to speak English for some reason, right? Yeah, you get a couple of those once in a while. Uh, there's, you know, nine stories of people being great people exactly. trying to communicate. Uh, and that's what's more important, yeah. I guess. I was, like, up, up, up north, like, super, like, Lac Saint-Jean kind of area with some Spanish-speaking friends. And they're just speaking, like, they're, like, lacing into each other in Spanish. They're just, like, they're calling each other's mothers, like, different things. These are your and, friends. Yeah, and they're okay. screaming at each other. And then some, some, some lady, like some small town lady just comes up to me and goes like, oh, it's so nice. They're speaking Spanish. Like, it sounds like they're singing. Oh. <laughs> like in French. Like, right. <laughs> and she's just like, oh. That's so romantic. <laughs> so beautiful language. Like, you know? Yeah, exactly. Because like, well, there's that, that, that's, that's the uh, irony or the funny part of Quebec, right? Is that even during the, the darkest years of animosity with the rest of English Canada, they've always loved, loved, loved the shit out of Americans hmm. right like you go because they need the Americans yeah but no but they love them yeah they love they love Elvis they oh love yeah Elvis. in that sense American culture yes. country music like just go east yeah or go yeah. north right they oh, love yeah. that they, they've adopted that culture fully country right? is really strong here <laughs> and Quebec like is like achy breakies you know oh yeah the, the <laughs> yeah yeah Billy Ray li line dancing and the whole thing that was big Terrible. I think that was bigger here than anywhere else like they they, they clearly love multicultural things yeah. but there's still this leftover wedge of animosity that's almost gone now yeah especially yeah. after the last election but we all have a tendency to sort of romanticize other that's what we other, were talking other about, languages yeah. right everything it, it goes back a little bit to the the film dynamics yeah, you know, we think that all people with British accents are intelligent. intelligent. You yeah, know, yeah. We, like, we a think certain kind of British accent. You know, it's right. going to be Queen's English. Paul, the Cockney, Paul they're they're stupid. Paul Bettany just yeah. said that again in an interview very recently, that he finds that hilarious, that people think he's really smart because he yeah. has the Queen's yeah. English. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, yeah, and somehow, somehow but he's got like the perfect Queen's English. Yeah. Like he's like, you know, but it's fake. Did you know that? I think it's <laughs> oh, I'm fake. sure it's fake. I mean, fake in the sense like uh, Patrick Stewart. Apparently, his mm. Queen's English is completely for show. Yeah, because really? he's a Yorkshireman. Yeah. Oh, okay. and uh, one of his old pals, like in some interview, was like, "It's look when you're an actor, you have to master that English because that's the what the one well, of the it's Americans." Shakespearean. He's it's Shakespearean. Patrick it's Stewart, like, just reeks of of Shakespeare. Yeah, and theater, you know, I mean, yeah, he's like, you know, I'm on the Enterprise, yeah. but I'm commanding <laughs> crowds of people. Engage. Yeah, <laughs> you know, I mean, anybody else would have been like, yeah, Make yeah, it so. engage. But he's like... <clears throat> They're expected to do engage. that. Engage, you know. <laughs> but he's a Yorkshireman, so yeah. he's, he's like from, from Yorkshire is, I mean, depending on what type of uh, person you talk to or from where in Britain, like, again, yeah, like, yeah. yeah you know, uh, what is it... Um, they hate they, they hate the north. The north hates the mm, south. Mm, yeah. mm. You know, and the south, the it's west. Like everywhere it's else, everywhere. It's, this is the same story. You find your clique and you stay in it, and you hate everybody else. Yeah. but it's completely different from from the outside, right? So, that, that's everybody who has experience. a French accent or an Italian accent or uh, maybe like you know Spanish South American, like the, the romantic. Yeah, you, know, you get a little bit of that when people when you visit like an English speaking place. Yeah. Unilingual people, and they're like, "Oh, you speak French. Ooh. Speak to me a little bit in French. Tell me of love. Tell me about your 
finish. <laughs> Tell me about love and romance, right? Which is again a great export as a as a as a stereotype, right? Yeah, like, yeah. The the romance of French, right? If you have a French accent, by the way, and you talk to Americans, and I I teach a fair bit of people who are French Canadian, who work for companies who have U.S. branches or U.S. colleagues. Mm. And apparently they routinely, because Americans, what I love about them in some places is that they're, when they love something, they're not shy. They'll just be like, can you do that talk some more? Yeah. <laughs> can you do that fancy talk you do? <laughs> Say it again. Say, Say it again. just like you just it's said. Like, Wait, hey, come here. Come here. Come Pronounce here, that word correctly again. Oh, yeah. <laughs> they'll literally, they'll be like, no, do that to perform. Yeah. Perform that thing that makes me giddy, right? Yeah. Um, it's the reason why celebrities get like, you know, followed and, yeah. and yeah. people like want to get into their cars and jump over their fences and routinely when they call when you talk to their colleagues in new york or whatever people are like they, they're getting like i have one student who has gotten a proposal over the phone from a <laughs> from a colleague that she's never met that works as a counterpart in a, a new york office and after like the, just because she's got an accent he's like at once he's just like angie he's like i'm, I'm sorry i gotta tell you that accent's driving me crazy like we you know like something to that effect just like murray me like, i mean it wasn't like a hick or whatever murray me like, angie murray me. some guy was like god damn it that accent is driving me mad it's like I, I know what you look like because I've, I've seen you in like i'm not that attracted to you but <laughs> no but it's like you're a pretty girl but that accent is driving me mad right yeah and and i can understand it but then you know everywhere else it depends like somewhere it's novel mm. other places it's not I would imagine it'd be more of a thing if you came from a place that was a little less multicultural. Like yeah, here in Montreal, yeah. it's kind of a mixing pot thing. Yeah, you know. Yeah, like it, it, I um. Does that add to the magic? I knew people from Quebec who had moved from Montreal in uh, in Edmonton, uh, so it was never really a a you know oh. Um, yeah, it's not another. It wasn't. It's not it, another it wasn't. It wasn't any. Like it wasn't anything special. And then, of course, on TV. I mean, I grew up with, with Peasant Vision, you know, which is your five basic channels. And there was always that one channel that you never watched, but it was always a French CBC. Hmm. And, and and so we always had that. And every once in a while, they'd have some poorly dubbed French movie. You know, they Die Hard playing in French, and so you'd watch <laughs> Die Hard in French. You didn't. I didn't speak French, but you had watched Die Hard enough that you know. You're like, oh, yeah, I'm watching Die Hard. It just happens to me. You could French. learn French because yeah, you knew yeah. Die Hard so yeah. well. <laughs> yeah. Um, uh, That's funny. So it was never it was never super, uh, I guess, foreign to me. It was something that I knew and that I was familiar with. Uh, but then Quebecois is very different from French French. Oh, right. Yes. right? Yeah. And, and that's a I whole think, story. I think, yeah, that's a whole other story. Um, but... Uh, being Canadian, you probably have a better appreciation of that than maybe somebody from like the Midwest. Maybe, you know, maybe, like, yeah, hey, yeah, funny, you know? yeah. I mean, you're putting on an accent sometimes when you're speaking to people, you know, as a joke, and, and there's a very d different Quebecois is a very, you know, this kind of accent, very guttural. Yeah, whereas the French is more like yeah, but to anyone else, it's like, well, it's French. Well, you know what? There's there are nuances there as well because. Again, if you get northern Parisian, if you get Parisians, mm. that's one deal. And then if you get people from the north, they tend to be friendlier, homier types, like, uh, you know, uh, kind of our way, like out west. Yeah. Uh, and a lot more family oriented. 
but if you get southerners they're a little bit more hot-tempered and they their accents tend to get a little funky you know where they, they get you know they get made fun of by the yeah 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 it's not it's not a perfect french well, it, right, or it's like a, it's got a bit of version, like it's got an accent, or yeah, it's got yeah, yeah, like yeah, yeah. a yeah. Spanish or a Gascon, right, yeah. which has yeah. like a whole other thing. So they have their subdivisions, but one thing I think most of them agree on, including Parisians themselves, is that Paris is weird, and Parisian yeah. French is is yeah. garbage French. That it's that you it's, think Parisian French is garbage? yeah that it's deteriorated and it's become anglicized and it's become oh, okay. very pop culturey because uh, yeah. it's like touristy. Back in the day, like they would look down on uh, Quebec French as being too anglicized, right? And, and weird. And it's true. Like we, you know, we've got a bunch of English words that we use to a certain you know, degree, interchangeably. Yeah. yeah. But uh, I remember my dad going to to Paris. Like he he worked for a company and they had a, a you know a division in in Paris, and he would come back and say like, "Wow, you know, they they have all these super super weird." English words that they use, but in they, but, yeah, but they, but they pronounce them in a French way. So like yeah. a blackboard, which we would Le call a tableau, <laughs> we call it a tableau. Yeah, they would call it a blackboard. And blackboard. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. It's like super weird. And then you come back and be like, "How dare they criticize us for, <laughs> for you know <laughs> using English? We use it better than they do. You know, yeah. like the English words that we take, at least it makes sense." <laughs> This is a perfect opportunity to segue into something I really wanted to talk about with you guys. Have you been? Have you heard there's like elections in the Ukraine right now? And uh, I, there's no reason why you should care about this until you hear this next part. So, in in typical Eastern European fashion, right, or just whatever the world now, to show you the power of Star Wars, uh, there's a guy, there's a candidate, who's presented himself for. Ah, fire in a hole. Fire in the hole. Oh, that was a bit late. Come on. Oh, fire in the hole. Yeah, there you go. Fire in a hole. Thank you. <laughs> Cheers, gentlemen. Fire I didn't realize that was uh, what you guys went for. Well, now you know. Okay. Knowing is half the battle. Okay. Cheers. Cheers, everybody. Um, so there's this guy in the Ukraine who's who, this, this candidate who has presented himself for election, and he's uh, as Darth Vader. So he's like, I'm Darth Vader. And, I'm and he's running as Darth Vader. He's running as Darth Vader, and he, he's fully dressed. Like, he's got a legit Darth Vader. It's not even, like, a cheap one. He's got, like, a pretty good quality Darth Vader costume. And it's been a bit of a fiasco. I mean, for them, this is very new to do this kind of stuff. This is in Ukraine. Yes. We see that kind of shit here yeah. all the time, right? Yeah, 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 yeah. Um, like, these nuts. These nuts. Uh, I saw a guy uh, during the last election. There was a, a bunch of posters. Somebody had put up his cat. Oh yeah. In this election, I'd, were, vo- I'd vote for a cat. I thought of you, and I was yeah. like, you would have I'd vote, this guy. I'd vote for a cat. The slogan was super cute too. It was like, <laughs> uh, like here's Bobby or whatever the cat's yeah, name yeah, was, yeah. and and the slogan was not worse than the others. <laughs> yeah, yeah. That's 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 read the cat though. Right. So that's a little bit of uh, you know, social commentary that are that, that's very common here in North America. But what if he wins? Well, very little chance. I mean he's of that. not going to win. But. but anyway, so Darth Vader, but today what I read and I saw a video of that cracked me up and I, I guys, if anybody's listening to this, Google it because it's good for a laugh. So the guy that is 
running as Darth Vader, went to the parliament today to either officially sign his <laughs> sign name in. or to do some official function as a guy actually who's actually running for president. And he was being driven by Chewbacca. And the guy in a legit Chewbacca outfit. And like a really good one, once again. And there's literally like the seven-foot guy that looking like Chewbacca. And yeah, he, he was huge. Yeah, and he was like driving him to this function. And then they ran into the police and the police arrested them mm-hmm. for God knows what reason. And there's a video now of Chewbacca being like slammed onto the hood. And they're like, it's almost, you're almost like your, your North American cynical prank. It's like, it's like, Oh, this is just uh, this is Disney a pulling up. Uh, this is publicity. This is some kind of Pepsi commercial that we're going to find out about yeah, like in yeah, six yeah, months. Yeah. But as you look around at the, the sort of nobody's laughing. They like, and you. They still have those weird uh, pseudo communist Soviet looking it's uniforms, the, like the, the cops. The, the Ukraine, those weird, yeah, that's, those that's, big hats. Yeah, yeah, and they rode in with like the full imperial march. Like, da, 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 <laughs> I don't know, da, da, but there's. Da, da, da. I think. I think there was a there was a commercial, right? Well, this is apparently a thing in the Ukraine where oh, okay. there, where there's these guys who run regularly as Darth Vader and oh, actually and they legit changed their name legally to Darth Vader wow. in order to be able to do it and they also just unveiled a statue of Darth Vader oh, which, wait. which used to be a Lenin statue that's right it's it's a converted statue <laughs> yeah that's great they took a Lenin statue I like that then, so what is the thing with Darth, do we know why they're obsessed with I don't know Darth why Vader? they just I don't know they're Ukrainian who, who knows? Because they're like, at, they at heart, they they're do. like seven years old. Yeah. And everyone was obsessed with Wait a second. at seven. I guess it, I could see the them embracing like Luke Skywalker or Yoda because they might Im- feel the whole rebellion empire thing going with Russia. I, I think it's a form of protest because the, you know, the regime doesn't represent them. Oh, because it's like a puppet government or... Basically, yeah. I th- that, that's my understanding is it's, okay. it's like a form of satire in order for them to... to Keep doing this. Right, but just the and that's why they play the Imperial March, and that's uh, why Darth Vader okay. is running because What's the whole the, thing's a farce, and they're in the, at least in this faction's eyes. Okay, here in Canada, we just have the Rhinoceros Party, and yeah. we you know settle with that. Well, there were some defacings of the Liberal Party. Yeah, well, right, people were putting up like Klingons <clears throat> on the because oh, like, they were bizarre pictures, though they were just bizarre kind of. It went super dark. Yeah, it was it was dramatic. It was yeah, like background. It was like uh, it I mean, I remember the uh, what was it? The, the, it was the last provincial election. All the all the was it the PQ had really bad pictures. Yeah, they looked like they were they looked like they were hostages. Yeah, right. Yeah, the lighting was bad. They were like pale. They were pasty. Yeah. Eyes were big, like they had just seen the sun for the first time in <laughs> it was in a bad decade. Photoshop. Bad Photoshop. Um, and then now the liberals just went full like. Like dark side. I am gonna run the shit of this. It was like it was like overly photoshopped, yeah. like red writing, like yeah. black background. You know, it was like the first, they broke the first rule of photography, which was never shoot your subject head on. You know, it was very like wham, like right in your face. You know, yeah. Well, I mean, be that as it may, um, whatever the situation in the Ukraine is, and I do have a Ukrainian student. I'm going to quiz about this whole situation now that I, re- I just realized. Please report back. Yeah, yeah we and need he, to know. He's firing minds. He's fresh off the boat. His name's Anton, and he's hilarious. He's like a really, really hilarious. He guy. might know Darth Vader. No, but he'll he'll tell me what the deal is. He'll, he loves to monopolize the class. Like he, there are four other students, and he doesn't let them talk, which I don't mind. 
because apart from uh, uh, one of the other students who was an interesting guy but hard to understand, um, the other two are kind of just ill at ease. So I love listening to him, and he's got hilarious stories. Like he'll tell me. Ukrainian guys always have great stories. Yeah, he's he's a hilarious guy. Yeah. Uh, so I'll run it by him, but just without knowing anything else, just the footage of of Chewbacca being arrested is when you watch it. I hope you'll have this, or I think you'll have the same reaction I did. Is few first couple of seconds it's funny and then you're like the star wars geek in you starts getting upset <laughs> yeah there's five guys arresting chewbacca yeah, like, what the hell? let him leave him alone and you're like this is a ukrainian guy in leave a, the wookiee alone he's a wookiee. noble creature <laughs> yeah don't you know he's in danger let the wookiee win let the wookiee win sometime my sister she show her vagina to my brother Bilo and say, you will never get this, you will never get this, la 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 la. Here behind this cage, crazy, crazy, everybody laughs. She go, you never get this. Uh, but uh, one time he break a cage and he get this. And then we all laugh, high five. <laughs> now, um, um, no, that would not be funny in America, okay? I think it would be, I think it would be a bit criminal for us to have you on mention that you're a filmmaker and that you've had some crazy encounters and such. And, and not, not talk about that. Yeah, not actually ask you to tell us, tell us an anecdote. <laughs> some war stories. Yeah, some man. Some war stories. Yeah, tell us, tell us, I don't know, tell us something you want, something you get something off your chest <sighs> or maybe entertain us. Well, I always want to get things off my chest. It's a matter of whether I should get them off my chest. Okay. That's the, you can change the, the names. That's the, protect the innocent. <laughs> so one want. time I was directing this film or was ADing this film for this. No. Um, no, I don't know. I, I, I used to AD a lot and now I produce a lot more and I direct. Um, to, to be clear, ADing is... ADing is assistant directing and that's basically... Yeah, let's guy. clear that up right now. So, so what does that mean? Uh, to me, what it's always been—it means something different for everybody else. I mean, it's a set job, um, but for me, it's always meant that it was a basically the person that keeps the film running, the person that runs the film. Um, for people that don't know film, and you're watching—if you ever watch like behind the scenes stuff—and there's somebody yelling, that's the AD. Um, usually, they're the person that calls. Uh, action for background or explosions or things like that. Um, they're, they're the William Rikers. They're the, yeah. Like right? they're, 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 they're the William Rikers. Yeah. One. Yeah. Basically, uh, when the director is hungover playing PlayStation, the AD is there on set running things, making sure everything runs smooth so when the director comes out of his trailer, all he has to do is yell action and the film will yeah, I mean, go according. If a director's job... Is, you know, in, in the in the best of circumstances, is to work with the actors, to focus on the storytelling, on the performances, and um, in a in a good team, in a good mix, what you'd have is a director who can focus on that and deliver the vision, and also act as a little bit of a a, a leader to the to the whole production, but a spiritual leader, in the sense that he should not be constantly ha dealing with all of the intricacies of the, the, the logistics and all that. That's what all these other yeah, people are for, Yeah, right? you, uh, it's basically, it's your job as a as an assistant director to take the stress away from the director. Okay. Um, there's, there's, there's a hierarchy in films and, and you get that kind of luxury when you're on bigger film sets, but on small sets, the AD becomes the guy who just takes all the stress. Um, on a Which big, is something you like.
Which is something I like, but I, I, I hate that at the end of the day, what, what I don't AD anymore. I AD'd my last, um, shoot, uh, this, this kind of spring, uh, that was on this web series. Um, that was the last time I AD'd and that's the last time I will AD. So I'm retired officially from AD. It's ruined it for you? It, yeah, I, I, it runs course, um. Yeah, that's 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 maybe nicer to say. It's, yeah, it's 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 it it was what I needed for many 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 years, uh, and then now it's done, and I have moved on from that. But it it, it definitely I like problem solving. Let me just and say like, that ading is not a job that it's a hard it's, to it's find. a rough good, job. Good ads are hard to find. When I when I when I hire people to be ads on shoots. I, one of the first questions I ask them is, do you want to be an AD or are you being an AD because you think you want to be an AD? Because I think that's really important because it's, if people, I know so many people that AD and then they get broken so badly that they, you know, you find them working at a 7-Eleven. Uh, and, and so it's something that you actually have to want to do. Um, you need I, to be able to like thrive in chaos. Yeah, you have to, it's, it's, it's a skill set. Like it's not something that... Oh, yeah, you, you would, I've been on enough film sets, I can AD, you know, it's not You would be that. a good AD, actually, Richard. Your, your personality, your, your organizational skills, your ability to bring calm and, and sort of uh, authority to mm. the proceedings right. is exactly the type of package. You want someone who is not excitable or that can take a lot, but also keep things moving. It sounds it sounds like that. I mean, when you're talking yeah. about problem yeah. solving, it, that's, that's basically what I do for a living. Is just I just I discovered solve. that the reason I'm not a great AD, I'm a good AD. I'm not a great AD because I'm too emotional. Uh, I'm you know sensitive and emotional, and I get caught up on things. And so it's like I got to the point where it's like every film set I was working on, I reserved the right to quit at least once. So I'd always have one thing where I could like yell at the director, I could walk off the set. And that was like my quick moment, okay. And then I'd take a breath and I'd come back on set and, and do it. And so, I mean, that that's not good because you end up getting this stress pent up and, you know, and... and that's still better than, than 90% of ADs I've seen. Yeah, like I'm, I'm, I, I enjoy ADing, but I just didn't like that... Uh, I'm, I'm a proper artist in the sense that I'm an egotist. Okay. <laughs> that, that, I, that, I, that I like... You know, I'm doing it for for me. You know, you're emotionally involved. I'm emotionally involved, and it was always hard as an AD. You're the last person to really get the credit for anything. You know, mm -hmm. if it was your idea to shoot something one way, it was if it this or that or this. You know, you're the last person to get credit for. You know, the sound guy gets more credit than right. you on a lot There's of shoots. Be. You know, well, the because Jap the Japanese used to use it. I mean, maybe even till this day, that in the Japanese <laughs> film system. Assistant director was the apprentice. Yeah, direct. it literally yeah. was. You had to eat crow for for a certain amount of time, and then if you, that didn't break you, then they let you take over. The then they let you direct. Well, mm -hmm. and that, you're making your what bones. It, that's how it started. I mean, uh, Hitchcock started assistant directing, yeah. and eventually he moved into full directing. But I found that was always hard because I'd be working with so many what I considered maybe inferior directors. And I was like, I'm a better director. I shouldn't be their kind of wingman. Uh -huh. You know, I shouldn't be fixing problems that. Uh, Why am I telling this actor yeah. how to uh, yeah. like how to reach? Why am I making this film better? That's not my job to make this film better. I just have to make keep this... the ship running. Yeah, yeah. right. 
Um, and so you take on this level of stress that you didn't need, and that's what I didn't like about the job. And so, yeah, it's it's if it's something that people actually want to do, there are people who want to AD, and there are people who are really good at it, and then yeah. that's, I think, the perfect AD. Um, my last film was a which was a short film that I co-directed and I produced it and that was a definitive moment for me because it was the first moment that I actually realized that I I, I caught I, I found the secret to making films and it's it's I'm gonna, this is this is my I'm gonna patent I'm gonna mm-hmm. trademark this and it's it's a it's a negotiated delegation of stress mm, okay and and that's how you make a movie and it and I like it it's yeah because what it is that's is it's, it's it's it's, you find six people. <laughs> you find like you know a bunch of people that want, you want to make a film, and you go. This is the level of stress you're going to handle. This is the level of stress you're going to handle. This is the level of stress you're going to handle, and you give it to them, and you trust these people that they're going to take on this stress. They're going to take on these desired tasks that you need them to 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 handle, and then you meet up and you make your film, and you hope that they still want to work with you at the end of the day. And I've been on too many sets where. You don't get this negotiated delegation of stress, and you are taking way too much stress on. And then at the end of it, you want to quit. You're like, I know, I could, I could, I could work at a at a greenhouse for the rest of my life. You know, I mean, mm. I always have this moment where after all of the films I've ever shot, where I just want to quit. And it's and it, and I think I read that wrong. I think it wasn't that I wanted to quit. I just needed a break because it was too much stress and and it's a very weird environment it's a weird environment it's this concentrated environment you're you're stress. stressed out yeah you're yelling. everybody is you're 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 upset you're you're behind schedule you know and at the end of the day you're like holy shit i'm just making a movie mm. you know i'm not people aren't gonna die if this movie isn't made but yet somehow you take this on as being like no this is important people have to see this um but that's something that, that you'll you see in in a lot of other pursuits as well. You yeah, know, like, like anybody who's leading any kind of maybe, like project. Maybe I'm. You know, not, I never worked the office crowd, but maybe it's like that. Maybe there's a lot of that. Yeah, yeah. yeah. If this fax doesn't get in, it's going to be for sure. Heads are going to roll. And there's some people who are really poor leaders. Yeah. Because they try to take on too much with themselves. Yeah. And then they end up on the fast track to burnout. And there's other people who are able to develop that skill after after a period of time of delegating away mm, mm-hmm. a lot of the tasks to people who are experts in what they do, and that way you don't have to take everything on your on your own shoulders. Yeah. And and the the product, and I'm sure it's the same thing in film. The the product ends up being superior because you know you, even though you have the vision. You can't do the vision and also take care of all of the specialization, right. all of the special right. things, right? right? You need to give those tasks away to people who are really good at those it's, things. It's a team art. This is how I got yeah. the directing job on Punisher, by the way. Is when I sat Being down. able to deal with people. Well, specifically, I almost told what you just said word for word uh, when I sat down with, uh, with Sean Bechu, who was uh, spearheading the project and starting it. Is I listened to everything that he had to say, and I said, "Listen, uh, you're planning on directing this, but you're also planning on doing the choreography, and starring in it. And I understand that you probably have a good handle on this, and you know the material. But I'm like, you're shooting yourself in the foot. And to his credit, 
he didn't go like, oh, this guy doesn't believe in me and like retreat into that whole thing. He had the presence of mind to go, okay, right. wh what do you mean? And I said, well, I said that exact thing to him. Like every role that you have is another thing that you're going to sort of half-ass because clearly you want to do the choreography. Clearly you want to act the shit out of this movie. You want to get it right. And I think in order to do that, you need to delegate this direction thing to someone else. And I think I'm that guy. And he just sort of looked at me and said, um, yeah, okay. All right. Uh, that sounds good. If more people had that presence of mind to do that, there would be a lot it, more, it, less stressful film sets. It, it's Believe true. Believe me. You can be an egotist, but you can still give away responsibilities yeah you know like if, I, even effect if being an effective uh, manipulative opportunist yeah like if you're an evil where we take the assumption that you're an evil opportunist person uh not delegating makes you a, a a a shitty manipulative guy you're not even a good bad guy you're not even a good manipulator a lot of the people who who fail at leadership of whatever you're trying to do are the people who can't let go of the doing and you you tend to make your bones like hmm. actually being hands-on on stuff and becoming like an expert on something. And then afterwards, when it's no longer your job to do the doing, it's your job to convey the vision to pe other people to do. Some people just cannot let go. Mm -hmm. yeah. um, You've seen a whole bunch of that. Yeah. Well, okay. Because I write a lot of my own stuff and I direct it, I don't write everything I I don't direct everything I write, but I usually direct everything I write. Um, <clears throat> I have this auteur kind of sensibility where I everything is planned. I'm writing it, and so everything's kind of pre-planned. And and but I think directing is all about compromise, and I think that's kind of what it is. It's it's you can plan everything. You can go, okay, I want this person to wear this costume. I want this line delivered this way. And you can plan everything in pre-production. But the minute you get on set, it's, it is all about compromise. It's, it's about finding common ground with people that you brought on board. I mean, you hired this actor not because you wanted them to do exactly what you wanted to do. No, you hired them to do what they are doing. Yeah. Um, to bring their kind of to bring their to yeah I mean everybody on a film set is an artist and and you kind of let them create art um, and I think that's why I'm not a great AD is because I'm an artist and it, I would disagree I mean I've only had one experience with, right. with you as an AD and that was like my my second time AD yeah <laughs> it was my second well, time AD then you definitely took your dad's advice and you you acted the part and you, you, oh, you faked it many late really nights well. watching YouTube videos for preparing for the but you did it super, you did it better than many people yeah. I went to school with. well thank you that was I mean that was years ago it's yeah. very interesting to hear you talk about your process because it's very different from mine yeah um, I I I because I'm an excitable emotional person as Richard knows all too well I, I live in a soup mm. of anger and passion and love and emotion all the time and I have to act everything out it's, there's some weird thing that happens to me when I direct I, I go into this like zen mode I become extremely calm mm. and I'm almost I don't I mean I don't think you've ever seen me lose it uh no no I mean we we work together once yeah uh we work together once for four days really it would not break it down four days an intense four days yeah. Uh, it was it was a stressful four days. Impossible. Uh, I never saw you lose it. I saw you kind of close up, but I think that was your process. Yeah. I mean, we're working 
the one day we ended up working a 22 hour day <laughs> you yeah. know like it was uh it, it was, was exhausting it was more an exhausting else. but at the same days. time is i i don't uh because i live in such emotional such an emotional way out in my real life mm. i feel like when i get to the set if i can i try to uh establish a, a environment of let's all get on board with this i always say on set yeah yeah Please remember, every single person in this room uh, mm. has the power to fuck this up, right? And then it gets yeah. a laugh. <laughs> it gets a laugh, but like a second later, everyone all the way back to the guy who's just running, you know, uh, holding traffic or whatever. Um, I get this. I see it on their face. They're like, oh, shit. Yeah, yeah, it's true. Everybody could, anybody could mess this up. So then immediately it sends everybody a message that like, I care about everybody on the set, but also you all have this responsibility now to this project. But yes, we are all making a movie. So I just don't believe there's any excuse for outlandish, dramatic outbursts or talking to other people in a disrespectful way or getting all, especially in indie film, like, yes, you're a director, but in name only, like, you're, you're not getting paid more. There's no trailer. Like, everybody's just, yeah, like, this is a yeah. grassroots DIY yeah. Yeah little bit of money going on like and usually on independent films the director is the last person to get paid <laughs> if they get paid most of the time they're get, doing I it mean, for free because they want 90 percent of the rest of the crew that are probably getting paid over the director yeah. which is the way it should be maybe i i think it should be that maybe way. but really? i i remember having a very positive experience with you michael <laughs> and i remember you doing exactly what you were supposed I to do i had fun it was it was it was it was it was fun I and mean, you you're like me in the sense that you were definitely in your element on the film set directing i was i was high off of that film literally like a natural high off of it for, for yeah. several months yeah I, I felt i've never felt ever close to being where i belong anywhere in yeah. my life yeah. but something about that environment felt right i was helping people i was leading people to a certain degree but it was all towards something right mm -hmm. and it's very very it's a weird it's a pressure cooker it is it is it's 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 a it's a it's bizarre film sets are anyone who's ever had the luxury of working on a film set is just it's 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 a bizarre concoction of yeah. people that don't know each other well and at the end of it you feel like you've you know just gone through this big battle and you're, you're like emotional and at the end you're just everyone's like, hugging or or right you hate each other at the end of it. <laughs> you never you like, never want to see, see that son of a bitch again and and yeah. and that is is fine <laughs> well, I, mean, I guess you learn a lot about people going, you do going through yeah. that kind of yeah. thing right? thing like, yeah. you, you know what, they're, what, yeah. they're, what yeah. they're made of that's another yeah. thing you'd love Richard <laughs> your people watch your uh, yeah, yeah. side yeah. you would get a kick out of uh, I, I, you know I can relate to to a degree I, I've been on a couple of your your things but yeah. like um, working in restaurants like another like high stress like very similar. Pressure, pressure cooker sort of mm, thing mm, very and we'd, similar. we'd bring new people in and they'd have their like nervous breakdown and we knew that they just couldn't they couldn't hack it yeah you know like you you find out very quickly who's just talking the talk and who can actually walk the walk you know um i worked at a restaurant years ago and i think yeah i've never actually saw the comparison between it's the two but it's very parallel, huge huge parallel in that you have moments of complete calm where you're not doing anything and all of a sudden you get a table of 50 people coming in and everybody's running around and that's like a film set it's exactly you're waiting like around half the day and all of a sudden the ad goes okay guys we're shooting scene 
A6 and it's like, like and we don't get to do it over <laughs> nothing's <Never>. ready right. <laughs> and then yeah. you get 40 people running around like ants. you got 10 minutes to do this yeah. you got 5 yeah. I, I yeah. need 10 like how, you, got, you got 5 it's the Scotty yeah. This yeah. Guy. Yeah. Yeah. damn it captain I can't Yeah, I it, can't do this like, I need 10 minutes and you got 5 you're minutes on, you're on yeah. and you gotta, you gotta go into yeah. like you're yeah. in go mode yeah. and if you and some people will just turn into a puddle yeah, it's and just it's, they can't it's, take it. Fetal position. They yeah, always, they always totally. say it's it's that happens. It's the parallels are astonishing, and right down to the combination of ingredients. Right, uh, I think the, the what the one of the most uh, interesting comparisons I've heard. Not that somebody compared this, but was I heard Gordon Ramsay talking about the souffle, <laughs> how like pastry making pastry makers are considered to be like the madmen in cooking. Because becoming a pastry chef is, is like it's insane. Yeah, you have to be a little bit crazy, like being a, a goaltender in or a goalkeeper in soccer. You just you better not have a thin skin. Yeah, because you're waiting around, you know, an hour without doing anything, and then all of a sudden it's like it's on, the and then on all the all the odds are against you. And a expert uh, pastry chef of 25 years with stars across and, and accolades can still fuck up a souffle because it's such a sensitive sensitive process timing is everything oh how much eggs did you add all this other stuff right and this is exactly i think this is almost a a direct description of a film and we see it we see the ridley scotts right who by logical uh assumptions and calculations should be just getting better and better because of his experience and knowledge but he turns out these turkeys um in in the in the now in the last phase of his career with all the money, all well, the, the Martian's getting good reviews. I haven't seen it. I, I heard the Martian is doing all right, yeah. but like uh, people are conveniently forgetting Exodus, Gods and Kings. Yeah, yeah. The, the, the what Ridley is it? Scott's the counselor. Oh, I could go on for Ridley Scott for like. But hours. you know what I'm saying. Yeah. The fact is that yeah. no matter how long you've been doing it, and, and the Star Wars analogy again really fits. Yeah. Uh, getting everything that you want and having it's, all the resources is not necessarily a good thing. It's really difficult to make a good film, and it's so, so much easy, can go wrong. Yep. Easy to make a bad film, um, and it's 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 no one person is to blame. Yeah, usually it's you Frankenstein. can you can usually blame one person. You can find somebody to blame. Yeah. Um, Isn't the director goes down with a ship sort of thing? It is should it? be. It <laughs> should it's be the producer. Is it really? That's another job that is wholly <coughs> misunderstood. And yeah, yeah, you were telling me about it's that. It's whole. It's completely misunderstood. The producer uh, is uh, like you know um, <coughs> the uh, average description of it or understanding of it is the the money guy, right? The guy that's got to rustle up the cash and the financing for the movies, or the guy who rustles up like the all green M and M's bowl for the. Mm, that's more yeah. of the production manager. Is yeah. it? Okay. Yeah, the <laughs> producer. Right. Yeah, okay. but but the, that just the, underlines the, my, my misunderstanding. No, but these terms are so do. interchangeable, right? And yeah. they mean different things to different people. Hmm. Um, yeah. I like to know the terms before I go on to a film set because I what believe... What are the operational yeah, definitions? Yeah, I, I like... Let's define our terms. Uh, I, it's true um, uh, because that helps to... There's this whole going back to the negotiated delegation of stress. Once you know somebody's job title, that's the stress you put on them. Whether they want it or not, if that's their job title, these, this is what you get. Mm. Because there are jobs that this is what your job always entails. Right. You want this title... You get this stress. You don't want the title. You don't get the stress, but then you don't take the title. Yeah. 
Uh, yeah, good, good. That's right? Well, well put. Um, well put. Uh, producers is a big thing because you fall into these different things about, about you get executive producers, you get producers, you get associate producers, you get co-producers, mm-hmm. you get co-executive producers, you get all, all these different things. And to a lot of people, it's like, oh, I'm going to give my girlfriend the associate producer credit. Is it like yeah. an honorary thing? It's like you so, get an honorary so associate diploma? Producer, like... Associate producer is, is, is like an insult title. It's, it's not an insult title. I, I've worked on sets where I've negotiated associate producer credits. Wow. I have. I have, actually. If I'm not getting paid, yeah, if sure. I AD and I'm not getting paid, uh, I usually negotiate an associate producer credit. Because what that means is that means that I then feel like I can contribute creatively to the film. Um, that means You're not that insulting I'm not, yeah, like I'm not insulting myself by coming on set and, and working for free and doing this. No, it's, I usually can, the, it's usually the credit you give to the nephew of the guy that's paying for the movie. Okay. So he can say, yeah. I'm in movies, I'm in pictures. Yeah, like it's a weird title. Uh, actors get that credit a lot. And what it oh. what it is is it's it's yeah it's it's the credit you give people that is like this is uh you get to come to you get to come to and you get to have a say and you get to maybe sit on a couple meetings. Okay, so you're right? not just acting, right? You, you get a say in the in the creative process. Yeah, yeah. Well, you get to speak your mind or your your opinion, but it doesn't necessarily like. Yeah, no one actually has to listen, okay. but you are within your right to express concerns. Hmm. But the producer, like I was saying, is the most misunderstood one because I and I myself misunderstood it until I talked to people in the business and they told me and they said that the irony is, of course, that they're thought of as the money guys and the, the finance dudes and the guys negotiating for financing. But actually, they have to be possibly the most creative of all the roles. Mm. The producer in a traditional <clears throat> setup has is the guy or the girl that has the idea of like man you know i just read this novel on the plane holy shit this would be a great movie like if we could get uh terrence howard and we could get this other actress and yeah if we yeah. could get uh jack nicholson on it i think we, we got something like it's hot it's hot and then that guy's got to take that passion and sometimes for a decade uh keep pitching it to people who have the money to back it or to like hustle it together and now maybe two, three years later, maybe 10 years later, finally he gets the money for it. Now he's got to bring that same initial excitement to the project as he brings on a director who he thinks will or she thinks you're will. You're building a film. You're the filmmaker, the producer. You're the ultimate filmmaker. You're the ultimate filmmaker. Yeah. Wow, that's yeah. interesting. Yeah. And, and in many cases, you are the last to get paid or the one to never yeah. see a, a dime, yeah. Yeah. even off of a successful movie. Yeah. Hmm. It, it's it's really easy to say, oh, the director, it's like, you know, oh, it's a Ridley Scott film. Yeah. Yeah, you can say that. But they're hired but, guns. But yeah, a lot of times hired they're hired on. guns. I mean, Ridley Scott usually produces his own yeah, work, so that's, that's a little different. Yeah. But, um, uh, yeah, for the most part, the producer is the, the one that is the real filmmaker. And that's, I like producing. I'm not a great producer. Uh, but I really like it because I like being able to build uh, a film. Yeah. Mm. I like having a script and going, this is great. I like this. Find this, find that, find this. I love it. I don't like producing when on, you get this on small shoots where all of a sudden you're like, okay, we need this location. And it's like, that's not my job. All right, man. 
Maybe. Well, uh, thanks for coming out. Thanks for having me. It's been a, it's been a blast. Yeah, cool, man. And thank you. Thank you. Please guys. come back. And thank you to all the listeners. Yes. Check us out. Uh, as we've mentioned before, we're on iTunes, under the Fire and Hole podcast. We're on Stitcher. Mm-hmm. Uh, we're SoundCloud. on SoundCloud, of course, which is our home base. Love you, SoundCloud. Uh-huh. Uh, we're on Twitter, which we really don't care if you interact with us or not. Like we have it because we have to have it, <laughs> but it's really not such one of those like, Julian, you know, comment on Twitter or whatever. But please, if you guys have stuff to tell us, or you want us to talk about anything on on future shows, like uh, you know, don't be shy. Reach out, tell us. Uh, we're interested in what you're interested in. We're and all ears. Please rate, subscribe, review, do all that stuff if you if you like the podcast. Yeah.